From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network Studios in Des Moines, I'm Mark Magnuson, and welcome to Iowa Ag Matters. In today's show, we begin with a tribute to former Iowa Ag Secretary Bill Northey. I will be joined by Stephanie Wetter, the Director of Animal Welfare with the National Pork Board, as we continue the discussion about Prop 12. And Riley visits with Clay Creighton of Agoro Carbon about the 2 million acres enrolled in their carbon market programs. It's time now to welcome our hosts, Dustin Huffman and Andy Peterson. Well, another beautiful day weather-wise here in uh, Iowa. This is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Dustin Hoffman on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, joined by Andy Peterson. And, and Andy, I wish we were starting off on uh, happier notes today. I mean, while the weather is beautiful, a lot of people uh, feeling a little down today in the Iowa agriculture industry with some news we got yesterday afternoon. Yeah, the passing of uh, Iowa's longest-serving Agriculture Secretary Bill Northey, of course, very unexpectedly, very shockingly. In fact, that was what uh, current Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag said as he was in shock. And, and you know, I think a lot of us are. Um, and I am actually writing about that. I'm on like draft uh, 10 or 11 for the e-newsletter. Uh, just talked to Bill late last week, in fact, and he was as energetic and passionate and uh, effervescent as he's ever been. So certainly um, I'm very, very shocked and saddened as well to uh, to know that he's no longer with us. But uh, we'll, of course, tribute and honor him throughout the course of the show today. We start off in the marketplace. Joe Camp of Comstock visiting with Mark Magnuson right now. Joined today by Joe Camp of Comstock as we start off our opening discussion for the day on this Tuesday. Joe, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? A bit of overnight straight. Nothing, uh, you know, outstanding here, but a bounce that does follow from some short covering that was observed in part late yesterday, led by the soybean oil futures. We have crude oil higher to help that out, and just generally some more optimism in this market. Some short covering again that fits with position squaring that we see oftentimes occur ahead of these crop reports, like we will have again here on Thursday this week. You know, we're positive about, back to the soybean oil, domestic processing demand and potentially down the road for soybeans, seeing that balance sheet tighten up further. We've still got some concern overall about exports, and that was uh, partly negative to, to kick off this week early on when we saw that that dollar index was higher, uh, extending its gains from last week and these last several weeks. But shaking off some of that and overall, a little bit higher here heading into, again, some, some closing of positions, generally lighter volume as we wait for this next crop update. And Joe, we've already talked quite a bit here in the office this week about why this WASD report is not traditionally as impactful as the previous WASD report, the January report. Could you remind us why that is, but at the same time, what we are still excited to learn about here on Thursday? Sure. It's uh, sometimes a more quiet type of expectation that you have for this February report because we're coming off of the January update where they revised last year's supply estimates for the U.S. balance sheets. Well, we won't have those up for revision this time around. We can have changes made to the demand side of the ledger, again, talking about processing and as so far as soy crush or corn ethanol might be concerned. Also, those export figures could be tweaked a bit here on this Thursday report. But it's most important, I would say, most anticipated 
for what it could possibly say about the world estimates and particularly those for South America. And we know there's some reckoning to, to do, if you will, on Brazil's crop moving lower to meet where the private estimates are at. Last month, the USDA calling uh, the soybean crop in Brazil 157 million metric tons. We've got most private estimates out there at 150. Comstock just finished up their uh, annual Brazil farmland tour, and we've got a target closer to 145 million metric tons. We don't think the USDA is going to get there all at once here this week, but they are definitely due for some cuts to that crop as well as for Brazilian corn because of the impact of drought and what will be some uh, disrupted plantings here for the Safrina corn crop. Uh, we should see that come down from last month at 127 million metric tons. If we look at Brazil's CONAB, they're at 117. So that's a sizable gap that we think will close at least somewhat here this week. Well, we'll have more from Joe Camp at Comstock Investments later on in the program. But right now, Andy Peterson is standing by. He has his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Putting chocolate milk in schools, a partnership between the Dairy Checkoff and Chartwell's K-12, which serves more than 2 million meals a day at 700 U.S. school districts, have launched the hot chocolate milk program in 58 of those. It'll run through the end of the school year, and it features chocolate milk with toppings such as cinnamon and peppermint served hot during breakfast and lunch. Number two. Outlook is positive in the cattle industry after the highest average fed cattle and calf prices in 2023 in history. Yet despite those record prices, expansion will likely be delayed, according to a friend's cattle facts in their Outlook seminar. Obviously, Mother Nature is going to be the major headwind and has been the last couple of years to expand this cow herd. And, you know, it'll happen. You know, it might take longer than we'd all like. Uh, we've gone through five years of liquidation. And frankly, we're kicking the can down the road another year because of the weather that we've experienced the last 12 to 18 months. So uh, you get about 40 percent of your feedlot population's heifers and your cow slaughter, even though it's substantially below a year ago levels, it's still at a liquidation pace. So we are going to liquidate, in our opinion at least, uh, mildly in 2024 and then would expect that we can start uh, rebuilding the herd as we go forward from there. Now, he does expect prices at the consumer level to level off a bit this year in order to maintain demand. Number one. Remembering Bill Northy, flags in Iowa flying at half-staff the day after the untimely passing by his longest-serving agriculture secretary and fourth-generation family farmer from northwest Iowa. Current Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag releasing a statement saying that he's, quote, in shock at Bill's passing. And Senator Grassley adds the Iowa farm community, quote, lost a giant. Northey also served in various leadership roles in several different organizations, including his USDA undersecretary, was the current CEO of the Iowa Agribusiness Association. Bill Northey was 64. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org join. We'll share our favorite memories of Iowa's longest-serving Ag Secretary Bill Northey in remembrance of uh, all that he did for all of us coming up here on Iowa Ag Matters.
Well, as we've been mentioning here since the beginning of the program, a lot of uh, attention today in Iowa agriculture focused on the passing of former Iowa Ag Secretary, former USDA Undersecretary uh, Bill Northey. We got the news late yesterday afternoon. Uh, you know, Andy, like I mentioned this morning in in, in Profit Matters, it, it went across the, the world like a lightning bolt for agriculture. Uh, you know, hearing responses from all over the country right now, uh, they just keep coming in. You know, it's just uh, been a great tribute to what this man meant to agriculture, not only in the state, but across the country and how much work and how much passion he had for the industry as a whole. Um, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, those statements coming in, even from the USDA, from sec- current Secretary of Agriculture, United States, uh, Tom Vilsack, you know, Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag, as we mentioned earlier, our Senate delegation, all of our lawmakers. Uh, I mean, even the governor ordering the, the flags, half staff for Bill um, today, just, uh, you know, or yesterday, I should say, for the next couple of days, just a tribute to what that man meant uh, to public service and to the agriculture industry. Defining public service. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and when you think about all that he accomplished, and and yet, you know, he got, the last time that he ran for Iowa Ag Secretary, he received more votes, popular votes, than Governor Brainstead did. Um, and, and, you know, the ability to transcend disagreements, if you will, between political parties and, and uh, you know, who... Who's able to, you know, um, cross party lines like that? And and yet he could, uh, and, and he did. And if you were ever around him, you, you could tell why those of us that were fortunate to do it, and, and I was, uh, had the pleasure to do it often. Um, and and there are several stories that, that can be shared, and, and I'm sure will be shared, um, and, and are by a lot of different people, and rightfully so. Uh, I guess... For those who didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, and I don't know that there were very many, but, um, you know, if you really wanted to know who Bill Northey was after he had been, of course, Ag Secretary, longest serving Ag Secretary in Iowa history, after he was at USDA, you know, could have retired, right? Had, Had no concern, I guess, about, you know, waking up in the morning without shelter and food. The basics were well taken care of. And yet he continued to serve the industry. Not only did he continue to serve the industry, he continued to go places that he wanted to go. Didn't have to, but wanted to. Uh, I saw him all three evenings during the Farm Progress show. The last time it was in Boone. He came and spoke at our NAFB dinner. Uh, I saw him at Jeff Longnecker's field day with a crowd of 100 to 150. Uh, Saw him at Bill Kowser's and the... the, um, uh, Bayer event, crowd of 100 to 150. He didn't have to. He wasn't required to, right, Dustin? But mm-hmm. but he was. And uh, visiting with everybody, walk up, take pictures. I mean, uh, just answer the phone, right? Answer emails. Mm-hmm. Um, his email address was easy to find if he didn't have it. So uh, Senator Grassley put it very, very well. Uh, Iowa agriculture lost a giant. There is no question about that. And... Uh, that's, in a lot of cases, I think what's hard to explain for all of us is how someone like that, who did so much good and had so much left to give, was taken from us this soon. Well, you know, Andy, that's pretty well said. And, you know, one of the things I wrote today in Profit Matters was I said, you know, very rarely in this business do you come across someone 
who you immediately know is the genuine article, someone that doesn't have bluster and and truly loves the job that they do. And Bill Northey was that person, and he will be sorely missed uh, by all of us in agriculture. More Iowa Ag Matters next. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. We take a look around the state and provide the latest in cash prices. Dustin Hoffman, Basis Matters, straight ahead on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Time to run down some of those elevator prices for you here on Iowa Ag Matters for this Tuesday, February the 6th. I'm Dustin Huffman. I am noticing today some droppage in the corn bids, uh, some of it fairly significant, some losses up to 15 cents. Let's take a look at where things are here now this morning. Starting at ADM Burlington, they are 10 cents under on corn, 434. Soybeans, 13 cents under at 1190. Cargill and Eddyville, 3 cents under on corn today, cash bid 441. New Co-op Algona, a dime under on corn, 434. Soybeans, 55 cents under at 1148. Ag State Sheldon, a dime over on corn there at 454. Soybeans, 72 cents under at 1131. Ag State Elta, a dime under on corn, cash bid 434. Soybeans, 62 cents under at 1141. Cargill Cedar Rapids, even today on corn there at 444. Soybeans, 15 cents under at 1188. At Nexus Co-op Marble Rock, they're eight cents under on corn, four thirty-six. Soybeans, fifty-two cents under at eleven fifty-one. Lincoln Way Ethanol Nevada, even today with corn, cash bid four forty-four. ADM Des Moines, eight cents under on soybeans, their cash bid eleven ninety-five. New Co-op Red Oak, a dime under on corn, four thirty-four. Soybeans, fifty cents under at eleven fifty-three. Mid Iowa Cooperative Green Mountain, twenty-two cents under on corn, four twenty-two. Soybeans, fifty cents under at eleven fifty-three. New Co-op Sheraton, 20 cents under on corn, 424. Soybeans, 55 cents under with a cash bid, 1148. Walk-on Feed Ranch, 17 cents under, 427. They, that's on corn. They're 61 cents under on soybeans at 1142. New Co-op Glidden, a dime under on corn, cash bid, 434. Soybeans, 50 cents under. They're at 1153. Innovative Ag Services Farley, they're 13 cents under on corn, 431. Soybeans, 52 cents under, cash bid, 1151. And Cargill Muscatine closed for the season. They'll reopen April 1st. The office is open for regular business. Cash corn and soybean bids are subject to change without notice. Always check with your local elevators when making sales to obtain the most recent price. With this check of your basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters, I'm Dustin Hoffman. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board.
Proposition 12, compliance is being checked, believe it or not. It has been for a little while, even though it's only been in effect officially for a little over a month. Thankfully, our friends at the National Pork Board have their arms around what needs to be done. Stephanie Vetter visits with Mark Magnuson now with the latest. Mark Magnuson for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and I'm here today at Iowa Pork Congress 2024, and I'm at the National Pork Board booth, and I'm with Stephanie Wetter. And Stephanie, could you please tell us what your role is within the National Pork Board? Sure. I am the Director of Animal Welfare for National Pork Board. Prop 12, which is, of course, at an event like this, is always going to be at the front of mind. Have producers come up to you with questions already? Where are they at when it comes to compliance and where they need to be right now? Yeah. We field questions about California Proposition 12 or Prop 12 with a lot of frequency, right? Prop 12 is now the law of the land. And as of January 1st of 2024, it is required that pigs or pork being sold within the state borders of California be Prop 12 certified. So what that means for our producers, uh, even here in Iowa, it's gonna have an impact on them. So any pigs or pork that are destined to be sold within the state of California have to have that certification. So this goes back all the way to the sow farm, right? So this is uh, compliance that's going to require 24 square feet, the ability to turn around and the records associated with that from the South Farm uh, to become audited and stay compliant in that space. And how does the auditing process work? Is it a third-party company? Is it the government? Who is actually auditing to make sure you are compliant? Yeah, so the California Department of Food and Agriculture, or CDFA, is the group that is going to oversee this whole process. So CDFA has a list of auditing companies, and they're going to call them uh, certifying agents. And they've got a list of those groups that you can contact and start that certification process if you're looking to become compliant. So if you go to CDFA's Animal Care Program website, click on the tab that says Certifying Agents, you'll find a whole list of different auditing companies that you can get started with. Start that discussion of what would compliance look like for me. Well, Stephanie, we're at Iowa Port Congress here today. Good crowd on hand. Is there anything else you'd like to let our Iowa listeners and viewers know about when it comes to just the state of compliance right now and how you look at it through your role with the National Pork Board? Yeah, absolutely. So like we said, Prop 12 is the law of the land now. So we're looking to support producers any way that we can uh, in this compliance process and to mitigate any uh, impacts that they might see about that. One of our focuses for animal welfare for 2024 is looking at these impacts that our, some of our producers have seen around moving to Prop 12 compliant housing. Some of our producers have seen dips in production and some of them have seen impacts to animal welfare. So one of our focuses is to create a sow housing task force of our producers, packers, and our subject matter experts on this to find what are the practicable, manageable ways that we can have an impact uh, on these different areas that we're seeing and give back to producers as a way to mitigate these things on their farm. She is Stephanie Wetter with the National Pork Board. Thanks so much for the time here today, Stephanie, and have a great rest of the show. Yes, thank you. Well, a lot of great information there from Mark and Stephanie Wetter. We appreciate the conversation there. Right now, Andy Peterson's back with his three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Putting chocolate milk in schools, a partnership between the Dairy Checkoff and Chartwell's K-12, which serves more than 2 million meals a day at 700 U.S. school districts, have launched the Hot Chocolate Milk Program in 58 of those. It'll run through the end of the school year, and it features chocolate milk with toppings such as cinnamon and peppermint served hot during breakfast and lunch. Number two. Outlook is positive in the cattle industry after the highest average fed cattle and calf prices in 2023 in history. 
Yet despite those record prices, expansion will likely be delayed, according to our friends Cattle Facts and their Outlook seminar. Obviously, Mother Nature is going to be the major headwind and has been the last couple of years to expand this cow herd. And, you know, it'll happen. You know, it might take longer than we'd all like. Uh, we've gone through five years of liquidation. And frankly, we're kicking the can down the road another year because of the weather that we've experienced the last 12 to 18 months. So uh, you get about 40% of your feedlot population's heifers and your cow slaughter, even though it's substantially below a year ago levels, it's still at a liquidation pace. So we are going to liquidate, in our opinion at least, uh, mildly in 2024, and then would expect that we can start uh, rebuilding the herd as we go forward from there. Now, he does expect prices at the consumer level to level off a bit this year in order to maintain demand. Number one. Remembering Bill Northey, flags in Iowa flying at half-staff the day after the untimely passing by his longest-serving agriculture secretary and fourth-generation family farmer from northwest Iowa, current Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag releasing a statement saying that he's, quote, in shock at Bill's passing. And Senator Grassley adds the Iowa farm community, quote, lost a giant. Northey also served in various leadership roles in several different organizations, including his USDA undersecretary, was the current CEO of the Iowa Agribusiness Association, Bill Northey was 64. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. Obviously, Prop 12, as Stephanie was mentioned there, Dustin, requires significant changes uh, to to be that way. Not everybody's going to, uh, and not everybody, I guess, needs to. But um, so far, I'd have to say, I suppose, and I, it may not be popular, Dustin, but uh, there don't appear to have been a lot of issues with it going into effect. Yeah, it doesn't seem that there has been. I mean, and it seems like farmers that are becoming compliant have been had have had the time to to get their equipment, their structures, their infrastructure all updated and become compliant. You know, and it was a choice that everybody had to make. And you said, you know, not everybody has to be. There is still a market for our pork products without, you know, having to put your product in, in California, you know, and it does help that California ease that restriction or at least to compromise a little bit on the fact that you didn't have to be to move your product through the country to the ports because it wasn't like there was a whole lot of option for shipping ports, you know, to get out I mean Pacific Northwest, but otherwise, you know, most of that stuff goes out through Oakland and through Los Angeles. And so, you know, to be able to at least get it there and ship it without it going to, uh, their shelves, uh, that does help quite a bit as well. But of course, as we said, that's something that's uh, everybody had to make that choice. And, and you know, and there's been plenty of help 
along the way and guidance for many organizations like the National Pork Board and the, and the Pork Producers Council as well. So uh, it is moving along here uh, as it's gone into effect about a month ago. And, of course, markets is something we're also, also watching closely. The midday numbers coming up. Mark and Andy have those next here on Iowa Ag Matters. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by John Heimberg of Total Farm Marketing for our Midday Market discussion. John, at midday, we have corn just slightly lower, but soybeans moving to the upside. What are we looking at in the grains? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of selling pressure in the corn market. Soybeans pretty quiet today. You're also seeing a little bit of strength in that wheat market after kind of a couple rough days here, maybe just squaring up on the positions. Biggest thing is, you know, watching that corn market here, 440 has been a pretty big spot on this chart. We've been obviously pushing back and forth around it now for the past couple of weeks weeks. We'll see if we, you know, we get a little bit of a break on it one way or another, but probably led by the USDA report this week, uh, which the market will be really focusing on the South American production. Soybeans today, we did have a nice day yesterday, continue a little bit of follow-through buying, but we hit that resistance barrier, that 12.03 window you know, from the January 18th low, as well as just a nice trend line that was underneath that market is now resistance over top. So I think that could be a very key spot today. If we can't get through there, that could just give us a point to the path of least direction which is our least resistance, which again could be lower, especially given the fact we're seeing South American harvest continue to move along around 16% harvested uh, on one analyst estimates. So those beans are in the pipeline and that just makes it difficult for prices to rally. That's the latest on the grains. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. And the livestock numbers for you here on a Tuesday. Let's start cattle-wise. Daily estimated slaughter totals coming in at 125,000 head. That's 5,000 more than a week ago and 7,000 more than a year ago. Boxes are stronger today. On light movement, only 52 loads of choice cuts selling. 40 cents higher at 293.48. Select uh, up 30 cents on just 13 loads of movement to 283.77. The spread still below 10 bucks at 971. Over on the pork side of the equation, we see daily estimated slaughter total numbers coming in at 492,000 head, 2,000 more than a week ago, and 12,000 more than a year ago. Cash market-wise, barrels and gilts, producers sold on a carcass basis, negotiated purchase-wise. Yesterday's numbers, for comparison purposes, we finished the day with only 2,700 head of negotiated purchases, down 89 cents in the marketplace at 61.14 of the weighted average price. As far as formula purchases go, big day, 224,000 head, strongest run in quite a while, and the market was up a dollar 40 to 73.50. As far as what's happening here at midday so far. We see that uh, there's only been 1,790 head of negotiated purchases and no price available due to confidentiality issues. Formula purchases back to a more normal 102,000 head of sales and the market's 20 cents stronger to 73.74. In February, we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. 
At midday, March corn is down three and three quarters at 439 even. March soybeans up three and a quarter at 11.99 and a half. On the Merck, February live cattle up three dollars even at 182.72. March feeder cattle up three dollars and 17 cents at 245.92. April lean hogs down a dollar 15 at 81.05. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. All right, and as promised, Joe Kemp back from Comstock Investments to talk about what's going on in the livestock markets. Those cattle and hogs had a rough day yesterday. Will it continue? Well, he talks with Mark. On the other side of the ag marketplace, what is taking place in the livestock complex? A bit of a correction, at least through the first session of the week. We'll see how we open yet uh, for today's session. But that's a little give back after a real strong rally in cattle and hog futures. Last week ended eight days straight for hogs. But back to cattle, what you had here was that the board really outran where the cash trade was at, even with cash markets firm and expected to have more upside here in general, that basis really strengthened in such a way, or weakened rather in such a way where it then stalled where the speculators had been pushing futures and and made everyone maybe think twice a bit here after such a really strong six weeks, really, of upside. And and that fits, too, with what we observed in the uh, beef prices, not budging quite as much as uh, where the cash would have suggested actually moving lower last week. Uh, actually, the same could be said, you know, for the hogs as well, that with a strong rally, you did not have those uh, pork cutout values advancing by as much, and that maybe weighed on packer margins and, and, and didn't quite support the cash trade there either. Joe, we recently had Iowa Pork Congress here in Des Moines, and I thought one of the overarching themes of Pork Congress was that, yes, we've talked a lot about Prop 12 in the last several years, but now that there's at least some clarity, it seemed to open up at least a little bit of optimism going forward of at least knowing what the playing field looks like. Have you gotten that sense in talking with producers recently? I hope that's the case. And, and that's a, probably the right dose of optimism that the industry needs. Uh, unfortunately, we do continue to hear about some issues uh, with forward contracting and uh, and not knowing you know uh, the, uh, whether or not they're going to be able to you know come to terms like they used to be able to, and so that's maybe less uncertainty still uh, extending from all of this Prop 12 drama and an unfortunate uh, part of it here. But yeah, now that we've we we have uh, several months removed from the implementation, uh, there can be hopefully a step forward. Uh, we, we, we're going to call and continue to call for cl- more clarification and ultimately, you know, changes still possibly to come. But uh, reason to be hopeful, I hope. Joe Camp of Comstock, our guest here today. Joe, thanks so much for the time. What is our best way for our listeners to get in touch for more marketing information? Yeah, our website, Comstock.com. It's all up there. Joe Camp, thanks so much. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. 
Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, a recent milestone in regard to carbon market programs with our friends at Agoro. Carbon, what is it? we find out. Coming up, Riley Smith is up next here on Iowa Ag Matters. Well, a major milestone hit by Agoro Carbon Alliance and their carbon programs, uh, the enrollment of 2 million acres. Riley Smith's going to talk about that and what that means going forward for the programs and the fact that they're not going to take their foot off the gas at all. He has that conversation right now. We are here with uh, Clay Creighton of Agoro Carbon. He's the regional sales manager and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of things to talk about when it comes to carbon markets. A big thing recently is uh, hitting the milestone of having 2 million acres enrolled in uh, carbon market programs. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a big step for Agoro and big step for carbon, honestly, in general, too, to be able to hit that 2 million threshold was huge for our team. That was something we were really pushing for the tail end of last year, and then they finally announced in January. It's always a good to start the year on a, on a good note. Exactly. And, uh, you know, just to have all those acres in there, obviously great for the environment, great for the farmers as well. So just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot before, some of those uh, carbon market programs for uh, grain producers that they can take advantage of. Yeah, so with our program especially, I love that we can um, kind of complement row crop and range and pasture both. Um, so on a row crop side, we have um, going to no-till or reduced tillage opportunities, and there's a lot of flexibility in that reduced tillage aspect that um, I urge farmers that even if they don't think they qualify to at least talk to us type deal. And um, also cover cropping as well too, if you're brand new to cover crops that qualifies, but also if you want to, say you've been doing rye for years and years, and want to add a lagoon species cover crop, that can qualify as well too. So it really helps those legacy cover croppers. And then our nitrogen piece as well, we have some uh, some items around the synthetic rate reduction. So it's all based off kind of your baseline, what you get, and then reducing those synthetic, um, so lessening the greenhouse gas emissions. Um, on the range side, too, high level is um, grazing management practices, so more rotational grazing, um, improving fencing, stocking densities, rest periods, things of that nature, or seeding new species into your pasture can also qualify as a biodiversity addition, and also fertilizing your pastures, actually, too, with the compost or manure or synthetic as well. I guess, you know, such a big thing when it comes to carbon market programs and really anything new that you're going to, you know, advertise for farmers is having it easy to put onto the farm. And that's kind of a big thing with you guys is having that flexibility to whatever works for you, you know, we'll make sure that you get the credit for that, right? Right, exactly. So I, I always say it kind of sounds cheesy, but we really try and tailor the program more to the grower rather than the grower try and fit into our program. So with that flexibility, we have different payment options where we can really do these combination contracts, I call them like an option A and option B, which essentially means some prepayments, some not. Um, what's the benefits of your operation, the ins and outs of it, how can we really tailor this towards you? So having that flexibility and that um, kind of prescription basically for what we really need in your operation, I think is kind of sets us apart in the market. Right. And then for those of our uh, farmers who'd be interested in learning more, I mean, first off, is there anything else that they should know uh, what's coming up with Agoro or just uh, as we get especially to, uh, you know, the, the fresh spring season uh, that uh, they should know about before they think about, you know, maybe I'd be interested in getting involved? Yeah, I urge them to at least have the conversation, even if it's kind of been an afterthought and they don't, don't know if it's really for them. It's at least worth mentioning and trying to see if it's the right fit for you. So urgent to have a conversation, like you said, at the beginning of the new year to start. Everybody's thinking about what can I possibly do differently? How can I um, save some money here, add a new revenue stream here? That's where we come in. And then uh, where I was going with that is uh, for those uh, farmer listeners who would like to get in touch and uh, start that process of uh, trying some new things, how can they do that? 
Yep. Uh, visit www.agrocarbon.com. We have a nice carbon calculator on there that can give you a rough estimate. You have a button right on there that says speech representative and puts you in touch with a person like me. Clay, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to visit with us today. Yep, thanks a lot, Riley. Well, there's a lot of murmur coming up around the Commodity Classic coming up here at the end of the month, and that's coming with our friends of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Andy Peterson has his industry update and featured conversation with the folks there. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. I have a Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm, and I'm actually a, a negative carbon emitter, and, and I managed to get to that point by I no-till, I use cover crops, I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm, number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market, and you can learn more at iowacorn.org. While we're at the close of a very busy and kind of somber Iowa Ag Matters here today on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we're going to talk more about uh, Bill Northy and maybe share some of our stories, favorite stories with him about him uh, coming up this afternoon at Ag Matters PM. You can find that on your YouTube channel and through all of our social media as well, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and the rest. And Andy, it's just uh, it's just been quite a day and kind of a, a numb feeling, but yet kind of wanting to keep going because that's what agriculture does, and that's kind of what Northy touted in his time. And and I literally just wrote that. That's what he would have wanted. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to take it from here, obviously. Um but yeah, I'm uh, collecting some pictures of uh, some of my favorite times with the uh, secretary, including when he stopped by the Wyoming Fair in 2017. Of course, he and I gave Hayden Fry a Pioneer and Ag Award back in 2015, too. There's a great picture uh, from that. So make sure you, uh, if you're not signed up for the e-newsletter, get there and check us out for AM, PM. Thanks for being here. See you tomorrow on Iowa Ag Matters.